This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Brian Bezab, CEO of Raleigh Orthopedic Clinic in North Carolina. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Laura. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on today. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself in Raleigh Orthopedic Clinic? Sure. So I spent about uh, ha- about 30 years in healthcare. I'm currently about 30 years in healthcare. Um, half of that has been spent on the hospital side. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia or raised in healthcare in Philadelphia uh, for the first 15 years of it in uh, academic hospital systems. And I ended up working for a for-profit hospital system that in 2005 decided to do some throughput initiatives in the Florida, Alabama region. And uh, the CEO of the corporate office gave me a call and said, you're moving to Florida in two weeks. So off I went to Florida and uh, I was part of the throughput initiatives in the Florida, Alabama hospitals where I got very close to um, working in the operating room and learning more about surgical services. So um, in doing that over about a three-year span, I became pretty comfortable with the operating room and the operations and the costs, and um, which got me a little closer to an ambulatory care setting kind of environment. Now I am, uh, in 2018, I moved from Palm Beach, Florida to Raleigh, North Carolina to take the position of the CEO for Raleigh Orthopedic Clinic. After working with the hospital for about six to eight months, um, we had an opening as the executive director of the ASCs or Ambulatory Surgery Service Line. Um, So the hospital system that we're aligned with, not owned, but uh, we have a very close relationship with, asked me to be the executive director for the ambulatory surgery line for Raleigh Orthopedics and UNC Rex Hospital. So I accepted that role. So I'm, I'm in a dual role. So I oversee 20, uh, you know, uh, six orthopedic clinics throughout the Wake County area. Uh, we have two ambulatory surgery centers, one that has been up and running for seven years. And the second one, we just got triple A's HC certification actually last week. So now we're just waiting for the letter so that we can get credentialed with all the payers. We've done about 15 cases there so far, um, and it's been extremely successful. It's a beautiful building. And um, about three weeks ago, we got notification that we received an additional ASC CON um, from the state of North Carolina. They reduced our beds from two to one, but we're on appeal. So hopefully we will get the second bed back and have a third ambulatory surgery center with two beds, two operating rooms, and two procedure rooms. So in my current role, we have 23 board-certified fellowship-trained surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, um, in all subspecialties. So we pretty much cover everything except pediatrics. Uh, Most of our physicians will see peds, but... Um, anything that kind of involves growth plates, we send off to a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. We have 27 advanced or advanced provider practitioners, uh, an MRI, like the ambulatory surgery centers, like I stated. Um, we see about <clears throat> 3,000 patients a week um, in the clinics and about 4,000 patients a week in physical therapy. So pretty, pretty active uh, practice. Uh, surgery center, we're doing about 170 cases a week throughout the surgery center. 
during COVID, we were pushing about 200 a week. Um, we've kind of normalized a little bit, um, but again, uh, that continues to grow. We've seen an increase in our total joint volume by about 40% and our spine volume about 20%. So good things happening in a very bad um, uh, time for all of us as we get through the pandemic and uh, the unexpected changes that we all have to make. I uh, can't complain, for sure. Uh, it's really impressive to hear about the growth that you've experienced over the past year, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it sounds like really, you know, still a lot of opportunities for growth and development in the area. So I'm wondering, you know, what are your top priorities today and how do you anticipate they're going to change in the next 12 months or so? Yeah, so Raleigh's kind of an interesting place. Um, you know, it's really kind of this southern uh, city that has a lot of green space and is very attractive to a lot of people. We see about 70 people moving to the state of North Carolina every day. I mean, about, tw about 20 of those are coming to the Wake County area. So we have some very um, rural markets that are growing very fast, actually too fast. Apple just announced that they're going to be put a big headquarters here as well. Um, so really the top priorities that I'm looking at is obviously growth. I think everyone that has an ASC is trying to figure out how to kind of keep your ASC branded and marketing and marketed as a safe environment, a better patient experience. Um, and we can, we can actually, we have seven years of data that we can prove that. So um, we have really been pushing to get our reputation out there. We have been around since 1919, so we are a pretty well-known orthopedic group practice um, in Wake County. We are the largest single specialty. Uh, we have the largest single specialty uh, ambulatory surgery center. Um, so our referrals, um, we, you know, we rely in the state of North Carolina on referrals. Most patients end up with a primary care. So having a good alignment with the primary care helps. Um, competition, you know, obviously that's always a big, uh, big word for a lot of group practices. We're lucky enough that since we've been around for 100 years and we have about 58% of the market share in Wake County, um, that uh, we've aligned ourselves with UNC Rex Hospital and UNC for the ambulatory service or surgery center or service line. Um, that's been extremely helpful and has put us into uh, or allowed us into some of their networks. Uh, we also are a, a high-value subspecialty in another ACO that is run by another hospital system uh, because of our, lo our low costs. Um, so between the two of those, we are fed a, a lot of patients, and obviously the reputations of the physicians and our surgical outcomes are um, really drive a, a good portion of our growth. So just keeping that um, intact is probably going to be the biggest priority of mine over the next 12 months. Um, I think costs, knowing that, you know, a lot of the, the inpatient cases are moving to the outpatient setting after CMS had made some changes with spine and total joints, um, just kind of looking at those contracts and renegotiating not only supplies, but not only implants, but supplies, um, because I think as we continue to grow, we are in a different tier of ordering. 
Um, so I think, you know, looking at those very closely, which we've started to dive into um, total joint, especially, and uh, just started looking at the spine service lines. Our sports medicine upper and lower extremity contracts we look at every couple years. Um, so they're pretty much in line, but I think the um, the more inpatient-driven cases or the cases that were more in the inpatient setting that are coming to the outpatient setting, um, I'm really kind of dr- diving a little deeper into the, um, the cost there. Um, looking at staffing, right now I'm in, you know, a growth mode and I am looking at any possibility of growing staff. I think staff is very challenging in an ASC. Um, there's not a lot of up, upward mo- uh, growth mobility in um, nurses, so it's really difficult to get the newer nurses to come in, so you tend to get a more tenured nurse, which is great, but keeping them can be a little difficult just because of the the salary requirements of a you know a nurse that has been doing nursing for 10 to 12 years. But we're really looking at it, um, you know, obviously through COVID, there's been a lot of um, a lot of unhappy or disenchanted nurses. So um, we're looking at trying to uh, overstaff, overstaff our ASCs in anticipation for the growth. Um, we know during COVID they've had long hours and layoffs and traveling nurses. So all that um, has shown them that maybe the hospital side isn't the best side for them. So we're hoping that they'll switch over from the hospital perspective and come into the ASC. Um, so those are really the areas that I really wanted to focus in as, you know, our top priorities, just getting ready for growth, continue to be able to manage the growth um, without overworking the staff, having enough staff to manage the amount of patients that we're seeing. So we're not going until nine o'clock at night, um, a six or seven hour day in an ASC is, is quite a challenge for most of the nurses. So um, it's a busy place, and we want to make sure that it's safe and we're providing high-quality care and managing all the risks associated with an ASC. That's so interesting to hear you talk about, you know, thinking about growth and especially the staffing aspect of it. And, you know, uh, from your perspective, when you are going out to seek nurses or recruiting nurses um, to to really join the team, what types of qualities do you feel typically fit best with an a ASC team? And, you know, how easy is it for you to uh, connect with some of the um, nursing prospects in the community? Are they coming from outside of, you know, the immediate community? How typically does that process go? Yeah, I think in the past um, with ASCs, we were so concerned about having the right staff um, opening an ASC that we really looked at primarily hospital nurses that have worked in the operating room or in pre-op PACU or a telemetry unit um, because we just were so concerned about so concerned about the risks. So now since we have kind of the base, now we have the opportunity to actually bring newer nurses in and train them um, a little differently. Um, obviously, nurses that come from the hospital setting have kind of different goals, um, different expectations in a hospital setting versus an ASC where our typical turnaround time is 10 minutes. In the hospital, it tends to be 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so it's just a, you know, realigning, retooling of their workday. Um, 
we find that the newer nurses, not new nurses, but newer to the nursing field, um, have been very unhappy with uh, flexed hours on the hospital side. Uh, like I said, with COVID, that's really driven a lot of nurses to start looking at other options. Um, and we're going to take advantage of that. And and I think that, you know, the, the more mature nurses are ready to help train staff. Um, in the hospital setting, I, I forget what the phrase was, OR nurses ate their young uh, because they were always afraid of losing their job. I think in the ASC, um, they're much more willing to bring new staff in and train them appropriately um, for an ASC setting because they're less concerned about losing their job or being replaced because they're aging out. Um, you know, we need the mature nurses. They know we need them. Um, and we need them to be trainers. So, um, and and they're excellent in in the operating room. Uh, they know the cases. They know you know uh, to anticipate the the needs of the surgeons. So it's it's a nice place to be con- compared to ten years ago, where you know you were kind of stuck with a certain certain set of pool of employees. And now we have the opportunity to kind of expand that a little. Got it. That's so interesting to think about that, that difference between hospitals and surgery centers in the workplace. So thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, what are you ex- most excited about today and what makes you nervous? Oh, um, you know, obviously having a, new, a second new surgery center is pretty exciting to, uh, to get that started and to start to grow it and start doing cases out there. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, planning, always planning is fun for me, uh, making sure that we're setting up an OR the correct way, a pre-op PACU the correct way. I think every one we open, we learn a lot of what we should have done. Um, storage, it's like buying a house. You always, you never have enough storage space, uh, or building an office building. So, um, you know, that, that I'm pretty excited about, um, just really reinforcing that, you know, what what we currently have. I mean, we have data to show how safe our ambulatory surgery centers are, the quality of care that you're getting, making sure that patients are happy, referring physicians are happy, vendors are happy, and they understand that the reputation of our facilities. So I think, you know, promoting that and really working very closely to make sure that we continue to put those protocols in place, especially during covid um, I think that has created a new standard for every ASC, and I think a lot of the standards that we put in place probably won't go away in the very near future. So just getting patients comfortable, uh, communicating better, because a lot of times in, you know, in the height of COVID, we had families sitting in cars, so you know, putting platforms in place in order to communicate with them um, to make sure that they understand, you know, where their loved one is in the process and how quickly, you know, how, where they are in the process and, and how soon they'll be discharged. So, you know, there's some some really exciting things coming down the pike for us, I think, from a growth perspective, bringing more total joints and bringing more spine cases in <clears throat> really will be, um, will be a lot of fun. It's challenging um, because, you know, none of our ASCs were ever built to do inpatient cases. So um, it takes a lot more equipment, takes a lot more staff, and uh, it kind of interferes with, you know, the day-to-day operations of an ASC if you haven't really kind of built that into your 
um, into your schedule well. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. It's interesting to think about. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to ask you, what are three trends, um, excuse me, what three trends should ASC industry leaders follow closely today? Yeah, I think the first one is really, you know, benchmarking, patient satisfaction, data collection, whatever you can collect, you can then dissect it and find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, Patient satisfaction is obviously a huge marker for an ASC. They're the they're our marketing staff primarily. They're the ones going out saying, "Hey, have your have your surgery at the ASC. Don't have it at the hospital." Uh, benchmarking our ASCs against other ASCs, and that's what I, you know, enjoy a lot about reading articles and attending some of the conferences, just to see where everybody is in the process, what what they're doing differently than what I'm doing, um, just sharing some of the information, uh, I think that's really key for, for this, you know, for the future. Um, looking at reimbursement and bundled payments, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, uh, in between on if prospective bundles really make sense for an ASC, if it ends up being more like a BPCI program where, you know, it works for a few years and then all of a sudden your reimbursement is so reduced that you're not, your, your profit margin even gets smaller. Um, and I guess the other thing I would worry, not, I don't worry about it, it's because it's the unknown, but what Biden's administrative team's going to do. I know the House has the, the, um, a bill to hopefully eliminate the provider relief fund tax that we got, uh, the penalty that from the money that we received to help us through COVID. Um, we have stringent regulations. I'm not quite sure what, how much more stringent they could be. Um, putting transparency in place, which I'm a big fan of. I think patients should have the right to know what a procedure costs. However, what they don't have in the tr- most of the transparency models that I've seen on the hospital level is the quality indicators that go along with that. Because as we all know, pricing is a huge factor in the world today, and everyone's looking at it based upon high deductibles and HSA plans. But what we really need to do is really show the quality data along with the transparency to make it really a, a complete picture. I want to choose a place, and even if it costs you know, $300 or $1,000 more, if I know I'm going to have a successful, high-quality sur- subspecialty surgeon doing my surgery, I'm more likely to be okay with paying the up cost to that than just to go to the cheapest place. And I think there are plenty of inexpensive um, surgery centers out there that have a great price and the, the quality of the surgeon is high. You just don't see them together. You have to do the research separately. Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, no, it was great fun, and uh, I'm always happy to uh, share my opinions, not that they're always the correct opinions, but uh, always, always willing. Uh, so looking forward to doing it again myself.